Welcome to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast, the show that empowers you to redefine the life you want and live your best life. Now, I'm your host, Francine Belly, and I show purpose-driven entrepreneurs, CEOs, and professionals a powerful pathway to become recognized thought leaders in their field, increase their visibility, trust, and profitability. So join me and my guests every Tuesday for inspirational stories and practical strategies to get more meaning in your work and in your life, make the money you deserve and lead a movement to change the world. So hi friends, we've reached the end of this season nine on the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast. Over the past several episodes, I discuss with my guests various aspects of employee advocacy or employee ambassadors. So what organization can also do to create a great place where people will feel they want to become their best brand ambassadors? So today I want to highlight just a few of the most impactful moments of our conversations that truly encapsulated this season. So I hope they inspire you just as much the second time around and you will also listen to the full episodes if you haven't done that yet. So let's tune in. What would you say that you've seen that are the prerequisite, you know, for successful employee advocacy? Obviously, somebody who is coming to a work where he's, he doesn't like what he, you know, he's doing is mm-hmm. never going to be an advocate, right? So yeah. there surely has to have some prerequisite of some kind of culture or some kind of uh, way that, you know, need to happen before even thinking of <laughs> this employee advocacy program. I'm just laughing because I'm yeah. just thinking of an organization that I proposed um, um, to come and train their people. They say, whoa, nope, nope, no, nope, no, nope, because we are not ready yet because their culture is not ready for this thing. So from your perspective, what would you say is the prerequisites? Yeah, it's really simple. Um, There's two prerequisites. The first is content. So, and content, not just any content. Do you have content that is share worthy, right? And the quick, uh, quick test for that is, you know, if you're the marketing director or whatever, would you share it, right? Because if the answer is no, then, you've got a content problem, right? So content is one, culture is two. You have content and culture, employee advocacy works great. And the interesting thing for me is in my in my previous business, we all of our clients were uh, known brands, right? They were Samsungs and people like that you knew. Our clients in Disseminate, I know who they are now, but some of our clients have you know, 30, 40,000 people in their company. And I've never heard of them prior to them being a client because they work in oil and gas or they work in mining and minerals. And I'm not, I don't work in that industry. And then you look up the company and they're, they're huge. And you look at their content and I don't understand any of it because I don't work in that sector. But when they start running their program, it performs insanely well. And you think, well, that's quite crazy. I, I never heard of this company, but they're dominating employee advocacy. And then you can have a company that I've heard of, right? So, I, I mean, I won't name names, but companies I've heard of that everyone knows and their employee advocacy program doesn't work mm. because their content's all about them, yes. right? So it will be like a good example is we're really excited to announce the release of our X1258 product that has feature one, two, three, four, and five, and you can download the brochure here that's the content. 
And then the culture in the company is, you know, glass door rating of two, two out of five. Um, everyone wants to leave. So you think even though you're a really well-known brand, you've got terrible content, terrible culture. So actually the probability of you succeeding in employee advocacy is, is quite low. Um, so it's really, you know, as if you, if I was speaking directly to a marketer, I would say, how happy are you right now? Because if you're happy in the company, and it's a generally a good vibe and the content you're producing is good, then you've got a huge success uh, probability with employee advocacy. But there may be some prerequisites. What would you say will be some of the prerequisites that you'll see that, you know, people will be much more happy when the organization has some of those to get out there and really become brand ambassador for their company outside of the organization? Yeah, so I will say first, before you become a brand ambassador for the company, you definitely want to make sure that you're clearing it with the company first, because not all companies want their employees being ambassadors. You know, that's why they have a marketing department. And here in the States, a lot of people have gotten fired from their companies because of the things that they put on social media. So you have to be very careful with that relationship. Um, if that's something that you, you want to do, I mean, me personally, I don't, I'm not an ambassador for any company that I work for. I just, I'm just not going to do that. Um, but some people love where they work and they really want to promote it. And that's fine. But again, just make sure that that's something that your company wants and that they want you doing it. Now, when it comes to being an ambassador, companies should allow employees to promote the things that mean the most to them when it comes to the company everyone's experience at the company aren't, isn't going to be the same. So if you have an employee who's really passionate about business resource groups, so that's where you see a lot of E&I work happening. And if they want to be an ambassador for that segment for, of the company, then they should be allowed to do that. You don't want someone to be a jack of all trades. People should really be promote the things about the company that they like. You know, if you work for a company that has really great benefits, um, travel benefits or whatever, and you're someone who really likes to travel and that's what you want to promote, then let that be your brand. Um, and I, I have people at my company who have branded their LinkedIn after our company um, with the logos and the colors and all that stuff because they, they really like that. But it is important to remember that your LinkedIn page is your page. It doesn't belong to your employer. They don't get to tell you what you can or can't post as long as it's not racist or crazy or anything like that. But mm -hmm. certainly, um, and, and companies should support that. If Because when it comes to recruiting, as somebody who's worked in this industry, the best, best way to get people is word of mouth. So um, companies can do whatever they want to do to promote themselves, but people are more willing to listen to other employees or former employees talk about the company and if they're saying, hey, this is a great company to work for, I'm, you know, I really love being here or I love working there, people are more willing to respond to that. So there's a balance that companies need to have with that. Definitely, definitely. This is what I was explaining to one uh, guy last time where he was saying, yeah, you know, what will be some of the uh, benefits of managers, for example, to be on social media? Say, really, if somebody wants to join your team, if you are active on social media and they see you, they see, you know, they can learn a little bit more about you. 
and mm. see you as somebody they want to work with, that is much more positive. That is positive, actually, to attract <laughs> talent that way. Because if they don't know who you yeah. are, they might not know who. But if they love what you do, they say, oh, wow, I'd love to go and work with this person, actually. So um, I actually, that, that's actually when you're talking about managers and all that, I actually... Uh, Coming back from the question of uh, what's the prerequisites and so forth, and people are worried about management, I always advise them, uh, well, why don't you do the three-minute C-level test? And then they, of course, say, what's that, Michael? <laughs> you go to your CEO, and you take your computer, and you show him the latest post you've done on uh, your LinkedIn company page. And then you tell him, hi, Carl or Linda, uh, whatever his or her name is, uh, would would you like to share this on your LinkedIn profile? 99.9% .9 of them will say, yes, of course. All right, please do so. They share it. And then you say, that's cool. Why did you do that? And then they say, well, then people can see uh, our latest post on LinkedIn and maybe they can click on it and I know all that, let's say. And then the third point you say, would you like for all our employees to do that as well? Yes, of course. End of story. So that's the sea level test, right? Okay. What, if then you have... what if the sea guy doesn't share? So what if he doesn't want to share it. And then he back. and he say, no, <laughs> certainly not. I don't want any employee to be sharing anything. They should be doing their work yeah. rather than playing on social media. <laughs> then you should wait. Then you should wait with employee advocacy until you have a new CEO, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell something about that, actually, how to develop managers? Yeah, I think one of the things that companies can really do is to invest again in, in manager capability building. And it has been in my experience that sometimes managers will get a manager position, not because they are a good people leader and they have strong qualities, but it's because they have been very strong individual contributors in that yep. space. and. That's the bitterization, right? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Being a strong individual contributor mm -hmm. in a particular area does not necessarily mean that you'll be a great manager uh, of a team and of that person. It takes development mm -hmm. over time. It takes practice and support and learning how to build genuine and authentic relationships with people. It's learning how to flex your natural or your more dominant leadership style to support the people on your team who may need something different. It's, you know, when I think about um, development and performance in general, managers spend about 210 hours a year on performance management activities and processes. And what that means is, is that they're having one-on-one -on -one meetings with their teams. They're having team calls. They're thinking about ways to develop and promote and provide experiences and opportunities for their team and making decisions with and for their team. And I don't know, I can't, I actually can't think of an organization at this moment that does this very well. Mm. And that's, it's really important that companies have strong talent management and development programs mm -hmm. for that reason, to be able to get training to uh, the managers, those who lead people in the organization, just as it's equally important to make sure that you have technology and mm -hmm. tools that facilitate that learning and facilitate that process. Mm -hmm. so
would be your advice to leaders who want to start on this journey? Let's say that there is a boss who has never thought that they can start to empower their employees. What is your advice to them? Where should they start? Um, for me, it is very important. Again, when you have to, when you want to build a strong corporation, it's people who are making it strong. You know, so if your employees are not very well skilled, if they are not skillful for making your company strong, it all it all becomes strong. You alone, you can't do it. Yeah. That's why you need employees. You need people even who are better than you mm -hmm. uh, in, in their, you know, um, area. So um, for me, they don't have to be fair about uh, training their employees. They don't have to fear employees who are smarter than them. You know, I think that, uh, that is very important. How to be confident. You are the boss, fine. But now leave the floor for those who can uh, uh, lead you from one step to the to the the top uh, the top one. Otherwise, you stay at the same place, being your small boss, and people are you know uh, going far, and you are still at the same place. So that for me, the, you don't have to fear people. Uh, you need even to learn from them. You have to chat with them. You have to be concerned about their. Um, uh, let's say living condition. It's very important. That's why I think you are not, um, it's not a waste of money or time when you are, uh, 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 you are given, uh, you are empowering your, your employees by, uh, by uh, capacity building. We have to do it more. Mm. We need people to feel at home when they are working with you. Um, what would you say is, you know, the advice for leaders that you may have if people are quite interested to actually start creating a culture of kindness? Um, so where people obviously love to come and love what they do and become also their best ambassador, which is the theme of uh, this, uh, this season. Any advice for leaders who are interested? Where can they start? So I would say it starts with them themselves yeah and how they behave and what they believe is important mm -hmm. so really if they don't believe in this and it's not important to them it's very difficult to um, get other people <clears throat> to start creating a culture mm -hmm. um, around any topic now we're talking specifically about kindness mm. and I would say that um to begin by being kinder to themselves and others uh, by starting to listen more to themselves. So paying attention to themselves as well as to other people. <clears throat> so this sounds really simple, but perhaps this is, you know, we remember when someone really sees us and hears us and gives us some attention. I think we don't forget that kind of experience unless it's like negative kind of attention. Mm. Um, so I would my advice to leaders is to keep it simple to see if they can pay attention to how they can be less distracting to their employees so put their phone away <clears throat> don't look at your screen um, 
maybe have an environment with less distractions and really give somebody like one minute or five minutes of attention and listen. Mm-hmm. 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 That will go a long way. My gosh, if a so, leader come and give a one minute attention to everybody, I'm sure yeah. they will remember that. Definitely. And an employee would definitely become an ambassador because it's how do we feel? So really, can we listen without having all these questions and judgment? So it's a really difficult practice Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that I think um, nobody can really do like, you know, so it's good to be honest, but it's good to try. Right. So really listen, see what this person is telling you. And then the compassionate thing would be if somebody's suffering, asking, how can I help you? And they give you an answer and maybe you can't help with that, but there's something else. But even just asking the question, it doesn't mean you have to solve the whole problems. Just listen and see how you can help or maybe somebody else can help or maybe the listening is enough and it helps you to think about this person slightly differently and see how you can help them to do a good job in the workplace. Because at one point, we're all going to go through difficulties in our life. Mm every human so i would say in this fast-paced world um instead of scrolling stop look and listen almost as you would cross the lights you know yeah love that stop look and listen so what is your advice fatima to leaders who want to best use ai in their organization to harness the power of their employees any advice i think they need to invest more on uh, the reinforcement of human resources skills and uh, because uh, we need to have this uh, common understanding of how and for what we are using uh, ai we need to keep this uh, human control on AI and uh, to save human creativity, as we said before. Uh, And uh, especially now with this uh, um, global debate around uh, Industry 5.0 with uh, uh, human-centered and uh, technology uh, also and this uh, uh, how organizations are trying to create this balance between the profit from one side using AI and human rights and sustainable development from the other in the other side. So I think for that we need to keep uh, this human control on, uh, on AI and to uh, invest more on our interactions with uh, technologies with ad- this advanced technologies. So what would you think that uh, from your experience company need to consider for their employees to obviously one love working for them and second to become their best brand ambassadors? Yeah, that's a great question. So, and it's very relevant at the moment because we're seeing a an unprecedented number of restructures and redundancies. So, a lot of people are losing their jobs at the moment. So, the single most important thing that a company can do is to treat their people the same way that they do on the first day that they start in the organisation, and the same way on their last day. 
because people never forget how they were made redundant or, or how they were communicated to, what support they were given. And we know that companies are really facing difficult times at the moment. So how you treat people when they leave says so much more about the organization um, than, than, than when, they, when they start. It's really, really crucial that organizations are really living their values from the first day that an employee starts all the way to their last day. And that's where we see the difference. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, yes, yeah, so and that is so true. Actually, you know, the exit strategy has to be it have to match. You know, not because I always say something that they are leaving the house, but they don't leave the family. And then when they leave, they can still become your brand ambassador uh, when they are outside and actually refer people back if they had a great experience. So and inside how you know before they leave let's let's suppose that they are not leaving yet <laughs> and they are in the organization what are some of the things that the you know employ employers can really offer those employees to really feel that they are at home where they are and be their brand ambassador as well yeah great question so there's a couple of things first of all we know that we hear we hear that the two two main reasons why people leave an organization is one um, you know, not feeling like they have a, a great relationship with their manager or challenges with their managers. So I think there's a huge opportunity to upskill managers. And yeah. the, the command and control approach that perhaps was one fit for purpose is no longer fit for purpose today. So we need to help managers to have coaching conversations. We need to upskill managers to become coaches and to be able to help their guide their teams to find the answers rather than, you know, dictate or, or determine the answers for themselves. And then the, the second piece is really around helping people navigate their careers, showing people that you, you don't necessarily need to have a, a linear career, but you can you can expand your career within the organization in a in a I guess a non-traditional sense. So is that working for a project or you know a gig opportunity, how helping people to navigate their careers so they feel like there's a place for them is really important. Um, and then a, a final thing to add is a sense of belonging. So helping people feel like they belong. And that all comes down to helping people feel like they're represented, they're included, and it's a fair and equitable workplace. That concludes season nine of the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast on employee advocacy. So I hope this discussion sparked a new perspective on how we can advocate for ourselves and be brand ambassadors for our companies if we resonate with them. So what key takeaway will you bring with you from this season? Did any stories or ideas particularly resonate with you? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this season focus on employee advocacy. What did you find most meaningful? How might you apply these lessons to your own work and your own life? I'm really eager to explore new themes also for future seasons and as I am planning for 2024 already. So if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, please reach out, you know, and uh, let me know. So thank you for joining me on this journey of exploring meaningful work and meaningful life. And I can't wait to continue the conversation with you in our next season so the show notes of the episodes 
as usual, as on my website at francinebelli.com slash podcast. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E-B-E-L-E-Y-I dot com slash podcast. And before we go, don't forget to subscribe to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast if you love what you've heard. Whilst you are there, you can also take the free personal branding for impact test is only two minutes and you'll discover your score in seven key areas to improve your career or business success through personal writing it's quick and it's free so i will see you in the next season until then dream act and make an impact lots of love